This week's episode is brought to you by Patrick and Company Wholesale Showroom Agency located in the Dallas Market Center. For over 30 years, Patrick and Co. has been the go-to source for retailers, helping to discover those unique, sought-after, and stylish brands. Hey there, I'm Michelle Sherrier, and this is the Retail Whore Podcast. Stories and lessons from a life in retail. Hello, hello. I am presently getting ready to head out to Vegas and um, it's a little bit of a whirlwind. So these intros will be short and sweet. Today's episode is with Joe Bear and his team at Zen Genius. I have been following them for the last probably two years and have been mildly obsessed with what they do. It's They're a team of merchandisers that have branched off and are doing other merchandising type events, meaning they're doing weddings, they are putting on big events where everything is tied back into the merchandising. As we all know, merchandising has everything to do with the ultimate output of how everything looks. So without further ado, here is my interview with the team of Zen Genius. Hello. This is the first time I've had this many people on the podcast. I am super excited. Zen Genius, I have been following you guys for probably the last year. And I finally reached out because I'm like, I have to have these guys on the podcast because you guys are merchandisers as well. And our top rated episodes are always with other merchandisers or when I'm talking about merchandising. And I figured a better time to have this whole team on This is the most people I've talked to at the same time. So it's a little bit of a Brady Bunch screen we have going on. (laughs) I'm going to have you guys go through and introduce yourselves and tell them what your job title is. And then I'll pitch a question and you guys can figure it out who's going to (laughs) answer. I'll start. I am Joe Bear. I'm the CEO, creative director, and co-founder of Zen Genius. Then I'm Paul Cook. I am the other co-founder, graphic design brand identity, and sort of a little bit of gopher for all. Hi, I'm Emily Shirey. I'm the Director of Visual Merchandising and Event. Good evening, everyone. I am Jamie Sharpra, and I am the Project Manager of Events and Visual Merchandising. Hi, everyone. I'm Jalpa Patel. I'm the Lead Designer and Interior Architect for Zen Genius. I'm oh, so excited. You guys are so in-depth. I feel so We brought a little of everybody in today. I love it. Because like I said, your body of work and how what you guys do is so broad that I'm like, I really need to know what you guys do. And I think that our retailers are going to love this. So Joe, why don't you guys, why don't you both talk about how this started? And then I want to kind of dip back into what everyone's backgrounds are because you all have visual merchandising in your title. So an architect, and I really want to get down to that. Great. I'll start with our, our elevator speech is that we are a creative agency and we specialize in visual merchandising, event merchandising or event design and creative direction. And we started the company in 1999. Wow. So next year is our 25th year. Hard to believe it. 
no, really hard no, to believe it. None of this gray existed at that point. Yeah, and see all this gray? This is why I bleach. Just <laughs> <laughs> Great. So, yes, our business has really been focused on providing visual merchandising services to a whole range of type uh, retail clients, you know, different types of retail. We provide freelance merchandisers, contract merchandisers. So if you're a retailer and you just need some extra hands to come in and help you with the visual merchandising process, we are the company to call. We also have an events division. So we produce corporate events, meetings, we'll do fundraisers, an occasional wedding here and there. And then our creative direction division is really helping to come up with the concepts. So some retail design work, visual merchandising programs. When a client needs the creative support also, that's when we pull in our, our creative direction. So you guys started the company together. How yes. did this come about? Were, did, were you already doing merchandising? Did you come out of a bigger company? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so for me, bit. it was it was much shorter for me. I started my first retail job ever was actually at Henry Bendel's. I don't know how I landed that. I, I bowed down. I missed it dearly. I bowed down. And I was there for five years. The first year actually was, I was a manager of their housewares department. So I was just a salesperson. Not just, not just a, just a salesperson. Yeah. No, no, no. Well, yeah, because I, I was the one person that the store manager and the visual person at the time they said they stood back and would watch me in the store. And I was the only employee that would move things around when I realized they weren't selling. Ah, I love it. It's the innate thing that I had. And they came up to me and, hey, do you want to try this? And I was like, I, what is it? Like, I mean, nobody at that point really knew what it was. You say visual merchandising. and But when they said, oh, yeah, you don't have any sales goals, I was like, because yes. <laughs> we all know as merchandisers, we we all can sell, but it's like it takes away from what you're trying to actually do. Yeah. yeah. So again, I did that for a few years and I was like, okay, I do love this. This is what I want to do. And I realized if I want this to be my job, my profession, I can't have Bendel's be my only experience. So I said, okay, let's try this. And I left Bendel's and I went to Big Box. So I went to Lazarus, which was one of the preceding companies that sort of ended up becoming Macy's. Oh. So I did that for a few years. And then I met this one. <laughs> How did you guys meet? In a store window. At Victoria's Secret. I was doing a display in the Hilarious. window. And Paul was walking up the mall. You know? And our eyes met. Who's that? So, oh, yeah. I love it. If you haven't figured out, we're partners in addition to starting the company. And y'all haven't killed each other yet. That's amazing. I know. I work with it'll my husband. Here, it'll be here on your podcast, and then your ratings will go r- way up, Michelle. I hear. I work with my husband. And it's like I. I feel for because I'm a merchandiser that is very and from I from anthropology. It's I set my floors more intuitive. I don't go by a floor plan because, quite honestly, you can't watch how people are walking through a space. And our job as merchandisers for Anthro was you're forcing the traffic where you want them to go, and like. So I have to actually be there on site. And he's like, can't you just put it on paper? I'm like, no, I need to see it. And he's like, God, that is going to be the kill. That's where he's going to kill me is when he's like trying to get an answer for me. I'm like, I need to see it and feel it. And he's just like, Jesus. I'm <laughs> with you though. It makes a difference when you get to see it and, you know, experience. So, so you guys meet and then you obviously both have an interest in visual merchandising. 
Yeah, my background was also department stores. I worked for Lazarus, and then I worked for a company called Broadway. You might know Broadway in California, Broadway Southwest. And oh, wait, then, the Broadway? Yeah, the Broadway. Wow, okay, that's Broadway going back. I know, see the gray? We told you. <laughs> Please. <laughs> and, then, and then I was in Arizona working with them, and then we became Macy's. Okay. And it was sort of in that time period where I thought, am I going to spend the rest of my life inside a mall? I started thinking there has, there has to be a need for visual merchandising outside of the department store world. And I was doing all sorts of like personal searching. And for whatever reason, I felt like this was a gift that I was given and it's helping me to make a living and survive and all of that. So I started thinking then, you know, how and this idea come together. I called it Zen Genius, but I spelled it with an X because I was an X generation <laughs> and I wanted to disrupt things. And then I ended up moving back to Ohio. I said the never word, I'll never go back to Ohio. Never I came back here and I worked for uh, a big brand that's based here. And then I worked for a retail design firm called Shoot Gerdeman. And so although the seed had been planted a few years earlier, then we were able to start the company in 1999. And Paul was the cheerleader. And he said, yes, we can do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's get yeah. out of here. I have so many questions and, it, and it's, okay. we're going to get to you ladies. I don't want to like, I, I, because I, when I left Anthro, my then husband about shot me. Cause it's like, I'm walking away from a 401k. I'm walking away from a very solid job. I'm walking away from health insurance. And I was like, I'm, I, for me, I'm not corporate. I don't know. I mean, it's like I, I corporate, you have to really wrap things up in a nice bow, like as far as delivering bad messages. And we would do a floor set that would be the whole week. And I come in after the weekend and we were the second highest volume store and it would be trashed. And it was like, what the fuck happened? Like, you know, if, it, 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 and you first look at the numbers, like, okay, you didn't have that big of a weekend. What happened? Like, we just set this and. I never really worded that well enough. So I thought, okay, this is probably best for me to egg. So I, I, when I started my own, I just literally I had one client. When you guys jumped ship and you decided to do this, did you have a client yeah. already? We had one client also that actually approached me and said, we have this opportunity. We think you'd be great at it. It's, you know, they, they were looking for a consultant. They didn't want to hire somebody. So it was enough of a security net to take that, that leap. My mantra was, with risk comes reward. Yes. You know, and, you know it, I'm not proud of that, but we didn't have a lot of money when we started either. You know, so it was... Desert cards. Yeah, it was debit cards and, and really just learning how to juggle and make sure the client was happy. We started in the travel retail industry. So the first few years, we were traveling around visiting gift shops in all of the airports and the That's client had some great locations like the store on the top of the Empire State Building. Wow. Space Center, New Orleans Aquarium. Yeah. Some so, really cool ones. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. It and is then, amazing. And, do you st do, and then the, how long did you stay with that client? Are you still working? Uh, the, and then where did it start to expand where you started to bring on the large group of people you have? That client, we worked with them for 20 years and then they restructured and reorganized and they're not really in the retail game as much anymore. Okay. Um, I would say as a full 
time, just the two of us, I would say before the thoughts of really growing and getting bigger, really was only about maybe three, three and a half years in, because it was only the two of us. And we were traveling 50 out of 52 weeks a year. Holy People asked where you lived and it was like, well, we have a really nicely decorated storage unit in Columbus, Ohio. Yes. It's not home, but. Wow. That is crazy. And then how do you guys work together? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they well, thought you guys together. Together. each other. I mean, I can't even imagine being in a relationship and like, okay, bye, see you. Yeah. I mean, we each have our own different strengths. And, you know, I always say that the travel has actually been great for our relationship because, you know, a little space is nice sometimes. And yeah, you know, it, it, it always has something to talk about because if you see each other too much, it's like, well, what'd you do? Oh, I know what you did today. <laughs> uh, where did you go? Oh, I was with you. Yeah. So you always gave us something to talk about. It's true. Yeah, we expanded quick. I think it was more sooner than three years because we brought in a few people that first year. Yeah. Freelancers. In the beginning, we were just hiring freelancers. We didn't have employees at the time. We really weren't interested in that. We were just enjoying the, the opportunity to work on our home. And we maintain that business model for about the first 10 years. Wow. And we grew to the point that, you know, we felt we could take on, you know, a different type of employee and have benefits. How, and, how, at what point, because you guys have your hands in so many different things. What point did it go from just retailers into some of these other avenues? The first year, actually. Wow. The first year we were invited to do a special event, a big party, a fundraiser, a VIP event. A friend knew what we were doing, said, would you be interested in doing that? And you, you know, from the visual merchandising world in the department stores, you were in charge of the event. So if there was a runway show or a luncheon or any type of special events, you would get pulled into doing that. So... That first year, we were invited to do this event. I I can say now, what the first year, yeah, nineteen ninety nine. We were we were so naive, maybe green, that we went for it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have to say it. It's like truly the best lessons in the way. It's like we can do it. Come on, we can. Yeah. Do it. And we did it. That first year was a wow. I remember standing back and looking at the whole experience we created, and then after that. That one project led to another project, which led to corporate events, helping with um, sales meetings, helping with holiday parties, associate appreciation events. And I think because of our background in visual merchandising, we really understood a brand Mm. and how to tell the story of the brand, bring the story to life. And, you know, in visual, you're also resourceful. So you're not you know, you're trying to save money and find creative ways of doing things. So those skills really lent itself to the events world. And we found we were sort of bringing a unique offering to the to what was considered the traditional events world or florist shop that was doing other events. So what was the first portion of expansion when you started to bring in the ladies that are here with us today? These amazing women that are here today, I would say after the first five years is when we really yeah. started to grow. And I realized, yeah, we needed sort of an internal office structure. Mm-hmm. And so since 2005, we slowly grew 
in 2008 and 9 is when we transitioned from having 1099 contractors to employees. Wow. And we started, I think, with eight full-time employees, and now we're up to 16. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, and amazing. I mean, the the three that you have right here with you now, all three of them, bring their own unique skills and... You know, their passions on board. and So which of the three was the first hire? And then I want to start with their battle. Jolma. Okay. Architect was one of the... Okay. Maybe one of the most brilliant people I know. Uh, Amazing. Thank you, Jamie. Yes. So I've been with Zen Genius. I think it's my eighth year this year. Yeah, seven plus eight years now. And there's a background about me. I moved to Columbus in 2015. I'm originally from Mumbai, India. I've been working on retail design projects in Mumbai. And then um, my husband decided to move to Columbus and I was with him and I was uh, fresh off the boat initially. And then literally. And um, and I met, I was just looking around and then I bumped into Send Genius. It was, um, I applied and, you know, we met and then, I realized it was such a diverse design firm. It had mix of visual merchandising, events, retail design. And I was like, this is perfect with the past experience I've been had for working in retail design. And then it just started off with there. And then it's been, yeah, eight years and I've been working on different retail design projects from visual merchandising to store interiors to window display design, fixture design sometimes helping the events team with creative direction. So yes, everything under the kitty. Yes. What has been, cause uh, you know, one of the projects that you guys had that I was like, okay, I love these guys. This is where I was like, I really like these guys, the weed store you guys did. (laughs) I'm like, cause it's been legal here in California for a while. And there's one retailer that's really done it well. Like most of them are super creepy. It's like, incense burning i just like and there's one that's here in california called medmen and it's they've said it's like an apple store of weed stores and and i don't know if you've been into planet 13 there there's one they are seriously like their merchandising and their case displays i was like okay i'm impressed like forget all the electric part like all the visuals they have as far as the, the screen like they have huge screens in vegas and it's like it's really impressive, but their stupid case line displays. I was so impressed by them. I'm like, okay, God damn, they do some mer- And to me, it's like, that's the biggest place to be able to make like, you know, add-on sales. Why aren't they selling bongs? Why aren't they selling? <laughs> Not that I smoke weed, but it's like, I mean, there, it's like, it is a cash cow. And it's like, seems like there's huge opportunity to be able to really make. And when I saw you guys were doing this, a couple of retailers, I'm like, okay, that that is brilliant. So did yeah. you? do the architectural or were you building up the store did you do their fixtures like what was your role because i know you were involved in that um on that project i would let joe joe you could take the lead yeah yeah talk we, more you know the projects came to us originally we attended a conference called higher dc and there's an amazing woman in the industry named megan stone love her last name for the industry um, her company is called high road design out of um arizona scottsdale and she started coming to the retail design conference and it was sort of a eye opener of what was happening in the industry and they were building beautiful stores 
the stores were really beautiful, you know, like little jewelry stores almost. But where it was falling apart was in the merchandise. And these were not traditional retailers with the tr- traditional retail background. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing these great stores that maybe looked good for the first few months, and then they would start to fall apart. So we got involved in that. Really, our niche has been focused on the visual merchandising. There has been some retail design elements and architectural design that we bring into it. Um, but I feel like for the most part, coming up with the merchandising, the case line accessories, the risers, um, trying to understand the flow of the customer and how to make this new and complicated product mm-hmm. easier for people to understand. So, yeah, it was a unexpected aspect of business for us, even though we worked with all types of retailers, fashion, you know, hardline soft goods, hardware stores all over. So it was, you know, just a, looking at the retail formula from a new, new perspective. I, it's when I think about merchandising, it's like, I was like, so when you approach merchandising a Wii store and you're looking at case lines, what is, how are you approaching it as a, as a merchandiser to make it easier? Is it signage? Is it, it's, I mean, cause it's, it, it's, it's buds. It's, yeah. it's, you know, yeah. It's signage, it's categorizing it, it's it's two-part. One, it's understanding the products that are available in each category and maybe organizing or merchandising it so that a customer come come in and they can see everything in that that category, whether it's the the flower, which is the weed, or if it's the the edibles or the tinctures. And really I think feel like this shopper is continuing to evolve, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes it's just about featuring the different brands. Like you mentioned Planet 13, you know, their store is really about f- celebrating the different brands that are in the store. Yeah. So it's understanding what the customer, how they want to position themselves in the market and whether it's their own product that they're featuring in merchandising or if it's other brands that they're bringing in. Um, but I feel like I always try to go back to, do I understand it? Can I look at this and easily understand what my offering or what the assortment is? More of an educational process for the, cause are you built, did you make any props for that? Or you're like, what is it? What? Yeah. I, mean, I can't remember all the time I yeah. had your display. I mean, you're going to have to like. <laughs> <laughs> From a, um, initial standpoint, one, it's understanding what are the props they need for the cases. You know, what do we need? Sort of the core brand prop, the the elements, the sign holders, um, even the brand core decor package that, you know, the things that sit on the shelf. And just like other retailers now, we're giving them their core package. This is what you use day in and day out. But now for each season, here are some other elements that you can bring in for each season. And, you know, depending on the holidays, they're looking at their traditional holidays. You know, what are we doing for for Christmas, for the holiday season? What are we doing for Valentine's Day? Then they also have some... Hilarious. Yeah, really, Valentine's Day. You need the gummies for Valentine's Day. (laughs) We had some fun taglines for Valentine's Day. Oh, it seems like everything we've done for them has been very tongue-in-cheek because... Of course. You have that sense of humor also. It's like Valentine's, it might be like, you're my best bud. 
Like it, there was always yeah. the, I mean, I think it, I honestly, like if you're where, I mean, the fact that I'm even having this conversation right now, it's like, yeah. I'm sure like if my mother is listening, it's like, no mom, I don't smoke weed, but, <laughs> but I know a lot about the shops, but it, I mean, I mean, that's the, the, the greatest thing about, I think the opportunity to be able to work with one of these operations is that it, it's kind of, there are no rules. It's like, and it is fun. I mean, it's honestly like, I mean, I, I thought it was brilliant that the Girl Scouts were sitting outside of the weed shop selling cookies, but they got, they got called away from it. But, yeah. and there are no rules. I mean, it's, and that's the, I think so much fun is that it's something, a product like that, that is fun. Yeah. And there, I mean, there are rules here and depending on what state you are in, it's definitely different. Um, it's been really interesting to watch the evolution of this industry also, you know, from going from all medical stores, which have a lot of rules that you have to follow, even about what products you're allowed to show. Oh, we had 10 or two where you weren't even allowed to actually show, let's say the product, the flower. So here you are, you're sort of almost selling an idea is what you were selling of what they would experience. Yeah. So it became, it was very medical at that point because it was selling white boxes. Wow. In here, I can only explain to you what it is. So there, it was, as he said, the sort of this evolution and depending each state is different. Some allow you to talk about burning. Um, other states you can't talk about burning. So yeah, it just, it varies. So it's the, the getting creative on how to work around those rules. Yes. I, I don't want to go too far down that ra- rabbit hole. Cause it's like, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I will say that's what I was like, okay, I need to have these guys on. Cause, uh, so with the architecture portion of your abilities of what you're able to do, do you, are you building stores out? Is it, is it, I mean, that arc, cause I think of working with the architecture I've worked with, but it's all been the exterior, the interior, the architectural portion of it. So tell me a little bit more about your job and when it comes to working with retailers, if it's fixturing, it's overall events. Yeah. Um, so definitely how it works is, you know, when the, the retailer or the client approaches us, they give us a brief. Um, whereas Zen Genius, we drive and lead the creative direction. So what we do is we brainstorm, design ideas. When it goes into the execution phase, we sometimes would partner with an architectural firm to bring our ideas to light. So, but uh, usually we we come up with the concept. We do our three D renderings. We come with floor plans. We come with the look and feel. Everything from soft furnishings to lighting selections to material specifications. And depending upon the scope of the project, how detailed is the project, we go into fixturing design, custom fixture design, custom lighting design. Um, and if, you know, again, but, but the permitting, sometimes we make recommendations with our fixture partners. We would sometimes, uh, you know, see what's there in the market, see how it is more adaptive to the brand and speaks to the brand. So. After all of that, you know, we study and then we propose a package to the client, uh, touching on all the parts. And then that's how we, and then we go into the execution phase where again, we have, um, actually a five step process in our design process. The first phase being brainstorming. Second one is more about feedback from the client. The third one goes into sourcing, um, material selection, 
production farm. Um, the fourth phase is installation, where we go on site, oversee if it's vision merchandising, we're going install, installing everything, making sure, prepping up the store. And the fifth one is the follow-up stage, where after the execution, after the rollout, everything, we go back and see, is it working? Is it, you know, is, is everything that we designed speaking, creating the impact, the desired impact, and then making sure the design is successful. So that's where five-step process works. I, I love that you guys follow up because I think a lot of, I've always said it can look beautiful, but if it doesn't sell, it really doesn't matter. And there's, I think, I don't know if there's a lot, but there are, there are some merchandisers that I know that will go in and it's beautiful and ta-da. And then they never, like I always check back because I see my clients and I think the difference, and I don't, you'll have to tell me my, my side of my job is I work for wholesale gift showrooms and for retailers. So right now I'm walking into gift show mode. So I'm in a showroom here in LA. I leave for Vegas next week. I'll be living in that wretched place for a month, <laughs> month or so. And then I'm back in retailers. My retailers, I'm with a lot of them once a month or every other week or something like that. So I, I, you know, I have a chance to see how it has sold through and what is working, what's not just physically looking at it and watching the traffic flow. And then if not, I, I will always call my clients like I want to see her four times a year. And it's like, I just want to make sure how's it going? Is it selling? Is it doing well? Is it like, is there anything we need to address next time? And it's a long time in between addressing something from when I said, when you're only seeing someone quarterly, but I love that you guys follow. So if you guys have clients and they're like, Hey, whatever is not working, do you, as part of what you've pitched and part of your five start process, do you go back and fix it? Is that included? Is that another like, okay, we need to like adjust pricing or is because that could get costly. Depends on where we are on budget. Well, we definitely always want to go back and fix it. And I feel like, again, you really, until you observe and see, you know, we're just, we think we're brilliant. But when the proof is when you really see the customers responding. Yeah. If we can go back and it's in the budget, we will. A lot of times that will then be an add-on, a way to to continue or encourage our client. Oh, yeah, you know, here's how you could change it. It's much easier to give a little advice Uh uh, to to tweak something. Do you guys have clients that you're in their stores monthly or, you know, is it as a rotation? Yes, but that's mainly more of our freelance merchandising team that's going into the stores monthly. Uh, the team that is gathered here for you is really working at our head office. So we're not necessarily going out as, as much as our freelance merchandisers. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Let's go on to the next young lady. That's who's next. I'm Emily. Uh, so I started, um, I'm an art school kid. I went to Columbus College of Art and Design here in Columbus, Ohio and got sucked into retail, the Columbus, the Mecca of the Midwest. So started my, uh, visual merchandising career with the gap in stores um, and really fell in love with, you know, window dressing and all those fun things and uh, worked my way up into a corporate position with uh, Limited 2, which was a girls clothing store and got the opportunity actually to open the first Justice store. Uh, that brand evolved into that Justice brand. So I worked... Oh, I didn't know that was part of that brand. Yeah, so I worked with them for around 11 years. And then I spent uh, the second half of my career in um, corporate retail as well with Victoria's Secret before coming here to Ben Genius. 
Well, okay, but you don't mind me asking, how old are you? Because you don't look old enough that long, that long of a career. <laughs> I'm 48. Oh, wow. You look amazing. I mean, that's a long, lengthy, that's why, because I, you know, I, I think of the time I've spent in, in retail and it's like, it's a lifetime of retail and it's, it's impressive. And you look like a baby. <laughs> well, I got up in just enough time to keep myself young. So that <laughs> rejuvenated myself here at Zengius. <laughs> at what point did you leave corporate and jump to Zengius? And did you, did they find you or did you apply to that? Well, I found Zengius. Uh, this happened in 2020, right when the pandemic happened. Um, yeah. So I was out of work for a little while. And in the same day, as I continued my job search, in the same day, two people told me about Joe and about Zen Genius. And so it was bound to happen. Um, so we made a connection and started talking about, you know, my background and what I might be able to bring to the brand. And, you know, Joe's, you know, it was during the pandemic. So we didn't have a lot of visual projects or events happening, but we did have a warehouse full of visual decor props, um, elements. And so there was kind of this dream about bringing uh, the Zen Genius Marketplace to life. And so that's why I joined the team during the pandemic and we opened a store. <laughs> so we uh, created, we turned our warehouse at the time into a marketplace. We merchandised and curated collections with all of this product that we had. We really believe in sustainability and um, giving back. And, you know, there's a lot of waste within visual merchandising and such events. And so we were able to curate these collections, uh, put a sales strategy together and do some warehouse sales and kind of liquidate some of that inventory and create some revenue for the brand. So that was that was my initial uh, role here when I came on. So you created the the so this the marketplace that you guys just had or you're about to have. It, 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 are you are these because it looks like there's gift and haul products, but are you also selling off old props that from events that you've had? Because so you you don't you actually produce the the props. It's not like you go to a rental place and bring them. You are the rental place. So you you have all of this at the warehouse. You you may or may not be using it. I'm assuming you recycle a lot of it, like we all do. But what you're not using? Do you invite? Is it retailers? Is it the public that's coming in? Because that's the other part. I'm like watching this from afar. I'm like. What, what, I, this, what, this is where I was like, what do they do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's been an evolution. I'll start and then I'll like, okay. like uh, an evolution of kind of the pickoff of what the marketplace was. Initially, it was essentially these uh, upcycled decor elements and props. But um, as we've, it's a test, we're just trying to, you know, test and learn. We've been working with local artists recently. We started, I did start doing wholesale buying and curating some gifting items. But during this process, we also moved to a new space with a storefront. Um, so that's oh. where, that's what is, what changed a little bit. As if you're not doing enough, let's open a store. Oh it's true. <laughs> you're right. Of all people to do it, this, that would be, so the, the, as it's evolved, when you guys first started, were you inviting retailers to your warehouse sale and, and they're buying the props for their windows, I'm assuming? Yes, it was retailers, clients, friends, a mix of people. You, you know, have a lot of friends. I do have a lot of friends. We have a lot of friends. But originally, you know, before that, we used to have a prop sale once or twice a year. Okay. We would just get so full of stuff and we'd have a, a down and dirty prop sale inviting people in. 
So it was sort of that base of customers, which was a mix of, you know, clients, people, other visual merchandisers, other event planners locally, friends, family that loved a good bargain. People from the theater departments in town. So it was. That's brilliant. I, that really is smart. I mean, I don't, I don't buy my props for my, I, I buy their, their props at that point. Cause some people call me like, do you rent anything? I'm like, I don't want to carry anybody's crap around. So it's like, it, it is amazing to me though, that you guys basically, do you basically rent it to them or is it how? Not so much. I mean, we work with a lot of renters, but nowadays, a lot of times you're buying things for an event or for an installation. And there's always been a afterwards, you know, we want to give the client the first option to take everything. You know, if we bought it for your event, you can keep it. Oh, but okay. In general, they don't. They don't oh. want. They just don't want so, it. You know, yeah. both visual merchandising and events, there's a lot of stuff that just goes to the landfill. And so I, I was trying to put a pause on that. What, what can we do to minimize that? How do we recycle through inventory that we have? How do we create almost a machine? Like we buy something, do we want to reuse it? If we don't want to reuse it, you know, can we shift it into the store and sell it? And, you know, then after that, what do we want to do with it? We'll still have our big annual prop sales a couple of times a year. So it's trying to get the most out of our inventory. It's trying to pay attention to sustainability and support, you know, the good of reselling items. As Emily said, it's also been an experiment for us. It's been an opportunity to even develop some new products. Where we're located now, and we're in the Short North, which is the arts district and one of the revitalized neighborhoods in Columbus. So we also started to offer more souvenir type products for people that are visiting the neighborhood. Wow. Ultimately, creative gifts for creative people. It, I love it. In general, what we were focusing on. So your storefront, it, it plays also for your marketplace. Now, do you bring in other people for this marketplace? Is it like other creatives bring their stuff like almost like a fair? Well, there's kind of two parts. Uh, we started out last year. Uh, we did a couple, what we call a summer market, a, you know, fall market where we invite other vendors in, other makers, artists to do just like a one day pop up. And so they, uh, we've done it in our parking lot, also in the back warehouse. So there was an evolution with that. We've done five of those now with different, um, with, with vendors, but we're also looking at consignment in the store. So some of those um, people that we've met through the markets, we've been able to invite them in to sell their goods in the store. And so they get a percentage of um, what sells. Yeah. So it's a mix of both. That's been wonderful. It's almost like creating our own mini gift shop. Yeah. I mean, that's what it's And then once a season, we get to meet a lot of the local vendors, crafters, makers, you know, and invite them into the store. Wow, that is like, I love that. And what a great use of the space too. I mean, if you've got a storefront on the front, you might as well, you know, make use yeah. of it. And gosh, Michelle, we're learning. And I just have to say that your last podcast that I listened to, you know, the set shop, get ready for that. Yeah. It's been so helpful. Just oh, good. really just reminders, you know, this started during the pandemic. And, you know, one of the reasons was we had, whole team of employees that we wanted to keep. Yeah. Okay. So it was a part of our pivot plan, something that Paul and I had always talked about. 
what would our store look like? What, what would the concept be like? So it's been able to evolve. But then, you know, once projects started picking up, it's like, oh, gosh, we have a store. Now we've got to work. Yeah. It almost requires a full-time staff. Yeah, I can imagine how how challenging that, because it's like, I think everybody got, I mean, myself included, it's like, that was the greatest vacation. I'm sure I piss a lot of people off when I say that, but I mean, honestly, it's the most time I've ever had off in my life. And it was like, you know, sitting in the backyard in this weather, drinking wine, like eating salads out of my backyard. I mean, it was like, it was amazing. Yeah. But then soon as travel opened back up, as soon as like somewhat of like, I was back on planes. I was like, the only one on the plane, but I was back traveling. I was back doing, because the gift shows got up and running relatively quick. There wasn't really anyone at them, but all the showrooms were like, we can't do a ton, but we need you to... So all these little side things I was doing and enjoying just like went completely out the window. It's like, (laughs) all right, back. You know, I'm excited is what it's led to. And now, you know, we're looking at curating this boutique, a great little shop. We're enjoying it. You know, I'm excited we're working on a show now also called ASD, which is in Vegas. Yes. We'll be there. And, you know, we're realizing, one, we're coming, we've helped before as a merchandiser going into the show. Now we're in the process of helping them create their neighborhood guides, you know, that talk about the vendors and what's happening in each of the halls. So we're excited to go there this year, and we have a whole new perspective. Because yeah. now we're thinking about the merchandising, but we're also thinking about the buying, you know, how to shop a show, yeah, you, you know, how to go through the show. Really, that last episode that you did, it was fantastic for that. Anybody so that glad. visit a trade show or a gift show. Hi, guys. I hope you're enjoying this episode. Now for a message from today's sponsor. This week's episode is brought to you by Patrick and Company Wholesale Showroom Agency located in the Dallas Market Center. For over 30 years, Patrick and Co. has been the go-to source retailers, helping them discover unique, sought-after, and stylish brands. From captivating home decor to unforgettable gift items, fashion-forward accessories, and lifestyle brands, they are known to provide personalized service to retailers in their local markets. To find out more, please visit them on Instagram at Patrick and Co. Showroom or online at patrickandcompany.com. Now, back to our episode. It's fun. I just kind of assume everyone knows all that. And then I realize, no, they don't. Like, you know, just put, because I, I, the biggest one was putting completion dates on your shipments and, and making sure, because the reps are like, yeah, take the order, boom, it goes in. As soon as it goes into that system, Literally, we'll get notifications that something's shipping the next day, at least for the apparel that is coming out of California fast fashion. It's like, whoa, 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 we had a delivery date on that. And it's and because everyone's so rushed and we have so many people with the C, it's like, okay, let's get the paper. Or the other one is when they're not, there's no printers now, like a lot. And it's like, okay, can I get, can I get a copy of my order? Well, we'll email it to you. And it's like a week later, like, hi, I need my PO and PS, it's already shipped. And now my receiver doesn't even have anything to, I mean, it's it, that part is, I, I hopefully it was the most help for people because yeah. I just assume everyone knows that. And then I realized, no, I guess everyone doesn't, but it, it's, <laughs> you are, you're going to be helping a, ASD. ASD, yes. We're yeah. creating their neighborhood guides. I love it. 
the document that says, this is what's in the beauty hall. This is what's in the home and gift hall. These are some highlight vendors. And then in the main registration area, we're creating uh, sort of artistic visual displays for each of the nine neighborhoods. Oh, it's great. It's, yeah. it's much, it sounds like it's going to be much better than when I visited it. Because I, I happened oh, yeah. it, it crossed over and I, I was, everyone talks, I mean, it's, it's sort of a shit show. Because it's like, it's just everything. And it's it's off-price goods. And it's like Beanie Babies next to the vegetable, like, yes. spreaders. I mean, it, it was so... It's a lot. You, but they've got amazing deals. I mean, it's like, if you have enough time... So I was like, I'm going to go. I want to see because I know the profit margin on half of that stuff is amazing. And... Which is really the way the reason to go. You know, you yeah. might, if you're a fashion store, you might go to Magic. And you might get... A That's when we crossed over. Yeah. But if you go to ASD, this is where you're going to find some of those great margin items. Yeah. Items to cross merchandise, those impulse items. So, but I love that you're doing, I've learned a lot because just going there was like, where, what am I doing? I mean, it was, it was, it was a lot. It was a lot to take in because it wasn't organized like magic or the gift shows. So it's great to hear that you guys are doing that. It's, that's, that's a, that's a fun project. Okay. I now, the last person to, for us, Dave Ron. Yeah. You're on. We should all grab a cocktail at this point. <laughs> I got a long, sure here. Um, so I uh, grew up on an organic dairy farm in Ohio. Um, oh. Ended up uh, working for Walmart for four years in that store. I'd never heard of it before when I started working there. Um, I did graduate with a hospitality degree, went into hotel management. Wait, I had to back up on Walmart for a second. What? How <laughs> do you go fast? Well, you started there at how old? 16. And what job did you get hired in as? Originally um, as a cashier, but then okay. I ended up in like HR. I ended up doing special events for them. I ended up in every department. I love that. Including in Worcester, Ohio, which is pretty much a stiff town. <laughs> um, I ended up like even selling guns. I mean, wow. <laughs> and totally again. Cashiered. Um, but this happened. <laughs> Real. Okay, I had. I just had to ask that. I don't uh, I, was, I was there for four years. I don't really? think you put that on your resume, Jane. Keep <laughs> it um, But I made really good money there. Um, I'm not going to like sugarcoat that. I actually did well. I would also go on to work for Gap for a hot minute, and that was. Uh, I really always enjoyed like telling people what to wear and what didn't look good, what looked good. I would go on to work for Hyatt Hotels in Detroit. It was a big box. And uh, that was really the start of my hospitality career. From Detroit, I moved to back to Columbus, Ohio. I worked for, it's really the Convention Visitors Bureau. It's really bringing um, convention business to the, the nation. Um, it really promotes tourism, travel. So I was in, I had a sales background. I was there for a good chunk of time, long enough to know better um, in terms of like how things run as a community, as community development, working with the um, governmental, the corporate in the community to bring events to the community. Um, we are noted as the 14th largest city in the United States and also third in terms of the fashion capital. So there's a lot wow, of I had no idea in here. There really is. Um, and it has just this great portfolio of businesses from on um, food industry to it um to uh it to fashion to um i mean 
insurance, large, big insurance corporations here. From there, I go on to work for American Court. It's a, um, the North America's largest horticulture trade association. I oversaw their sponsorship, their exhibit showroom, which was the 150th largest in the U.S. Wow. Uh, I represented um, the horticulture industry for North America in our global events. And we also manage the Ohio Produce Marketing Growers Association in American and Bloom, which is the beautification of communities through plant material. Then we would um, consolidate with a company called American Nursery Landscape Association out of D.C., which brought us to the table of um, when things are happening on the Hill. And then from there, I would go on to work for Girl Scouts USA in New York. And I heard you say Girl Scouts, so I know them very, very well. I was I was one. one. All right, there we go. And uh, was the project manager for their largest event, which is about 13,000 people globally. Um, So I oversaw that program. From there, essentially, while COVID, well, not yet. I actually went into real estate in New York. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Right about that. You are (laughs) well-rounded. I know. That's why I said get a cocktail, get a glass of wine. There we go. (laughs) What I learned from that is that I'm not a shark. It, to be in the real estate world in New York, you have to be a shark. I am like this Midwestern person who's like, oh, yeah, they're going to come back with their deposit. And they're like, no, they're not. They're not. And so it was like, I just wasn't cut out to that kind of shark tank. And then COVID hit. And from there, um, I've had, I've known of Joe. Joe, is, Joe and Paul are very um, connected to the community. Um, they sit on board of directors within the community of Columbus. Um, I have a plethora of siblings and come from a Mexican Irish Catholic background. So there's a ton of us. Um we're taking over FYI. The Shamprat sisters. Get ready. I'm Mexican Irish. Apparently I thought I was Mexican German, but my mom did that test. I'm Mexican Irish. You are yeah. And Mexican German Irish. So with that and Polish. German Irish. Oh I love it. American Catholic. It's funny. <laughs> but uh, with that, with that is that, you know, Joe, Paul are very connected to the community. Um, and it's, it's abundantly clear, um, in so many different ways, whether it's like the give back that they do or the friendships that they have. When I say they have a massive network, they have a massive network of friends. I happen to be <laughs> so fortunate to be a part of that massive network. And I have a sister that worked for Zen and is now working for IBM and. You know, just, when you come out of Zen, you just, you have this great, 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 great um, resume, if you will. With that, though, is that I have 27 years of event experience. I am, uh, and I, and I really have seen events through multiple lenses. So whether that is on the city development side, whether that's within um, a nonprofit organization, whether that's on the hotel end, but within the convention centers. Also within like a global side, I have a view of how events come together in this really macro and micro way. Coming on board with Zen was like, this is like a diamond. I'm telling you, like the event design that kind of out of Zen is a diamond. I, I would say that in my entire career, I've never had people that are on site that are visual merchandisers on an event. They look at things through a different lens than event management people. Event management people, I think, we've just been kicked down so hard. That's here are all the rules. 
And then you have a visual merchandiser who comes in and says, well, here's how people shop. Here's Mm -hmm. how people buy. And so when you merge the two, what you have is this like, you have this thing that I think is so unique in our community. And what I would also say about that is that we have, you know, these conventions, if you will, that, that they have a product and they need to showcase it to their consumer. And so where the really, the, there's some sweet spots that we have where merchandising um, or creating experiences for these um, collective customers for their people to go through and experience the product. So a lot of money is in this. There, it's a massive industry. Um, and we're, I mean, it is, it is, um, it's really super exciting to be on a team that A is so nimble, but also has a whole different perspective. Yeah. And it's really, really cool. So give me an example of, of an event where you're as an event planner planning and then a merchandiser comes in and explains some of that different perspective and how it plays into an event for some of these bigger conventions or. I mean, as a project manager, it's really like I am a cat wrangler because these, they're, they're so crown. They're so creative. You know, and it's in it and there's a budget to adhere to. There's timeline and our timeline doesn't move. You know, so if you're doing an event, that timeline is just not going to move. Yeah. Just need to change or what have you. But, um, and in terms of how we create that, we have the same five step process that draw push there. And that is that, you know, we come in with our, our concepts. So we had a collective call with our client and they'll say, no, I'm thinking about having, you know, here's, here's our, you know, just, I, give us something. Here's the look and feel. We take that and we start creating like, here's three different options. This is how we can go. This is the road we can start building going down that street. And then with that, when you, then when you're bringing in that visual merchandising, it's like, we're so attuned to the detail. And that detail really then transforms into a macro view. So it's like they have it. And I'm not the creative. I say this because like I'm working with like genius. That's what we're called. Um, and you know, I'm working with genius. What I'm just trying to do is say, okay, taking that and saying, okay, how do we bring that to life Uh or a three hour event? Make sure everyone's safe. Make sure that we have the support that we need. Um, we're doing build outs. We're doing, you know, we're doing them, you know, whether it's a runway show meets a, um, rock and roll festival meets, um, headliners meets like, what is it that you want people to walk away feeling? How do you want them to feel? What do you want them to say? And then creating experiences to make that happen. How, what, what is creative wise? What does it look like to sit in on the first meeting of you've got a client? We are having a party. It's our 50th anniversary or, or whatever. And we kind of know what we want. Like, what does it look like when you guys take it back to the office with all of your involvement? Yeah. It's fun. So yeah. it's a lot of fun. That's one of my favorite parts of the project. One, it's it's fun when you're hearing the client because they always have a little idea, a vision or something that they want to create. And then it's like trying to think of all the different ways that you can get there. So we come back and, you know, one, we'll get together as a group and we're all throwing ideas onto the table first. And then I think we all like to go have our own space. And then let those creative ideas develop a little bit more. 
Then we usually get back together and we try to narrow it down. Usually we try to show a client three different ideas. You know, the first one is usually we hear you. Here's what we, we were listening. This is what we want to give you. The second idea might be we heard you, but we think this could take it to the next level. And the third idea, it has everything, but it also might have a few of the wows. So option one might even be the most affordable option. So we're given a, a low, medium, and uh-huh. range. And then, you know, that process is fun. Then we get together with the client. We show them the three different options. That also help us get all of our ideas in. We have a lot of creative minds that are working together. Yeah. So by showing three different options, you know, a lot of times we're able to get everybody in that mix. And then when the client reviews it, a lot of times they choose. They say, I want a little of this idea from option A, and I want some of this from option B, and this extra 50,000 thing that you threw in over here for a giant screen, I want that too. Yeah. Or drone show. Or drone show, yes. A drone show. We just did our first drone show. What is a drone show? You know the... Fire Dancing drones? Yeah. The little battery-operated thing that flies around. Well, I know what a drone is, but what is a drone show? Now, there are companies that will... You can hire and they'll create a show for you for your client or your event. So we just did one with a hundred drones right on the river, the Scioto River with the skyline of Columbus behind it. Wow. And, you know, they, they program the drones to create formations. Sometimes they look like fireworks. Wow. They can do your company's logo. So. Never see anything like that here in California. Yeah, that's an add-on. I'm sure you'll see it. Uh, on the drone level, I can go down any rabbit hole you want. But on the drone level, what's nice about it is it doesn't have fire. So, like, I can see it taking off in in California. So, for all the listeners out there that want to invest in something in California, like fireworks is yesterday, the drones is today. And that is that they're not using Yeah. is because it doesn't leave um, so much um pollution in the air. Yeah. Also, people are very cognizant of the sound that fireworks skips off. When we were doing this in a downtown and it was in the evening, it has to be once sun starts going down. So instead of having a firework display, which is also still very exciting as July 4th is upon us, drone shows can be just as exciting, um, just in a different way. How cool. Yeah. Fire, with us for fire, fire hazard, like we, we just yeah. don't really have, a, we don't really have to. Yeah. No. So I think that when we go through those stages on the event side, we have to make sure that we can access the material. I think that that's the one thing that um, that is something that you have to be very cognizant of. If you're pitching it in any of the three images or three options, you can actually access that material. Yeah, so there's a little, there's some just slight differences on, in terms of in terms of we're not that, or sometimes we're creating it, so we will be building it or we'll. You know, so what have you? So I think on that on that side, it's to make sure that you know what we're what we're showing, and when we think we're we're giving them the wows, um, and that's always very very important is what is the wow in this project that you're able to actually create it. So once the client says, "I love this one, let's do this," then yeah. it goes to obviously planning. Do you are you guys because you have so many people involved? Like are you're actually building the props in house? Like you're not having to source it from do you have a wood shop and carpenters and like are those all freelance guys or that part of your yeah. employees? 
think this goes back to having this wonderful network within the community. I think, you know, Joe and Paul really believe that when one tide rides or one tide rises, we all rise. And so we do reach out to the community on, um, you know, maybe we've met someone that has a workshop that we think that they would be great for the project. So that we have a plethora of vendors that we work with within the community, which I think is, you know, one of our, one of our true strengths is that the word of mouth on how we obtain business is tremendous. Yeah. Look, that be a huge way of how we, how we obtain business, which is, I mean, one of our clients, um, basically said, who did that event? That's, that's an elite event within, within the industry. Who did that one? Like, well, Zen Genius did it. And it's like, well, that's who we're hiring. So it's kind of like once you, it's kind of like the way the, 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 or the couple started, which is like one thing led to another that led to another that led to another. And if you provide an outstanding experience each and every time, it's, it, you know, the size of the limit. Well, what I love is because, like I said, like I, I've been in retail for 45, 47 years. I've been in retail since I was 14 and I'm 57 now. And it's like, but I, I have not moved it over 20. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's the Mexicans. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's, I've never, I've kept more or less in my arena. And I think that's been a hinder and a, and a, a plus. I mean, it has kept me not, not growing, but it's like, I, I, it's, I'm a one man show. I mean, I have my husband's a contractor. I have people that I pull in and do certain jobs with me, but it, I have not moved past into all these other arenas. And it's like, to see that growth is incredible. It's like the, the closest thing I've come into like decide, like, I'm going to, is this podcast is, is, yeah. and this was a fluke on doing lives during the, the pandemic. And then, oh, I'm going to start a podcast. I have no idea what I'm doing. I can talk. And, and I, I finally am like, okay, maybe I am branching out to some of this, but like what you guys have done as merchandisers by trade and all these other avenues that yes, merchandising visually, I think vis- merchandisers see things in a visual way, like you were saying, in a totally different way. And, it, and now I think about like how much it lends itself to all these other businesses is brilliant. I mean, really like tapping into all these different categories it's like is so brilliant it, and that's why i think that when i'm looking at you on on instagram I'm like what are they doing like i could not figure i literally could not figure it out and now talking to you guys now it makes so much sense on how freaking brilliant it is like so i guess my next question is like what is next for for you guys because y- you obviously you're doing a lot of different things like at what point do you say okay We've got it reined in. We do these six things. Like, but something yeah. tells me that you're not going to stay in those boundaries. <laughs> no, we won't. I mean, yes, we will. One, the diversity is wonderful because we can go from one type of a project where you pour yourself into it and then you flip over and you're doing a whole nother type of experience. Yeah. Those creative challenges keep it very interesting. Yeah, and if I can, if I can add within that, Joe, sorry is that what happens with that, with the corporate setting, is that when one thing is down, another thing is up. So like events may be high, digital merchandising is steady. It's almost like this ebb and flow of opportunities when the opportunity arises. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's no. me with merchandising, gift gift show, and then retail. Because once yeah. the gift shows are done, then retail's ramping up for fourth quarter. It kind of has... Yeah. I've that, kind of been able to ride that little wave. 
Yeah, that ebb and flow has been there for us from from the beginning and kind of in the beginning was just visual merchandising and events and those played off of each other. So that's been helpful. What's next is a really interesting question and a kind of a hard question because, you know, we turn 25 next year. It's a wow card. I know there's a wow. Yeah. Wow. 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 (laughs) This, This is all developed this set of cards during the pandemic these little we call them the virtual emotion cards so when we I were all, love that we were all doing these zoom calls we could you know hold up different signs <laughs> I love that. for those of you who are not watching on youtube <laughs> you really need to because these cards are brilliant it's Yes. What's missing from my? Oh, <laughs> this is the most important one. That I need that for my right? for my podcast because I'm looking at people. I'm like, I can't hear you, <laughs> and they're like searching around. And it's like I literally had like, can you just text me your cell phone? I have to walk through on the phone with them at the same time. Yeah, no. we'll send from Michelle. Yes. Oh my god, I would love that. So, so what, next, what, yes, next the one it's celebrating what we've created and what we've accomplished over the years. I think, you know, in a way we've been so busy now having a chance to sort of stop and look back and say, wow, you know, holy holy shit, look what we did. No doubt. And now I'm excited to see how the Zen Genius brand can start to evolve. So even with the marketplace, our store that we're we're creating. You know, I'm seeing an opportunity to create a line of products and a gift in gifts. So I'd like to see, you know, where we can take the Zen Genius brand. I feel a passion for the visual merchandising industry, and I want to help to encourage future creatives that know that there is an opportunity to earn a career and a lifestyle in visual merchandising. Jamie mentioned I'm on a nonprofit called Pays which is planning and visual education. We're trying to connect uh, students and educators with the retail design and hospitality design industry. Is that just in in your area or is that niche? No, it's actually global. Uh, P-A-V-E-Global.org. We have a huge base in New York. And then, you know, we, we do all sorts of design competitions for students, help them design fixtures give them opportunities to network and mentor with Wow, that's amazing. So I want to keep cheering on visual merchandising as a career opportunity, or even now visual merchandising and event merchandising is as we've tried to coin that that term. So I feel like we've been blessed in order to create this. And now we, you know, are in an opportunity where we can say, wow, what can we do with this now? Where do we go? I love, I think it's so, I say this a lot on the podcast is that I think it's so incredibly important to give back and, you know, whether it's time or money or, or mentoring, I I think all of that is so important. And I think it's, you know, not just important as a business, but it's important as a human. And it's, I have, we've talked to so many people that are all giving back in some way or another. And I think it's, I love, I love hearing that because I think it's so incredibly important. And being involved with your community. I mean, I've talked to more people that are involved in, because I was never involved in, you know, the business associations when I, because I had stores at Fred Siegel in Santa Monica for years. And it's like, 
I never went to those meetings. I never, and it's like in talking to so many owners now and how involved they are. And it's like, why would you not be involved in your community? It's like, I wish I, I wish I knew that back then when I was 27, but you know, I, I, I was too wrapped up in, I'm a Fred Siegel owner that, you know, unfortunately that was not part of my, but I think it's, I think that's brilliant. The, the mentoring part is just incredible. Great. I wore my shirt in honor of you today. Because on your podcast, you said, we do more than make it look pretty. Yes. I love love to drive sales. I love the creative as fuck t-shirt too. (laughs) Do you sell that? Yeah. Please become a great, like a lot of visual teams are buying their whole staff. I have to ask you guys, because obviously fourth quarter's coming up. Well, what? I have two questions. How come you're not doing gift showroom setups? Because... You know, that is a natural transition for me. It's got to be a natural, especially since you guys build the props. You, I mean, like you do it all. Like it just hasn't come up yet. More than anything, I've done education for the show, a list of initials, organizations, and trade shows that I've been to teaching about visual merchandising, but we haven't really worked in any of them. I'm really surprised because honestly, it's... One of your listeners want to call us and we'll be happy to go through our five-step process. I mean, truly, like, it's... I And I have to wonder because gift gift showrooms change twice a year and it's yeah. it's not really permanent. I mean, it's like an event, I guess, in the sense of it's not permanent, but it's like it... it you have a week to change it out. It's like most of the, for me, I change everything and we, some of it, some whole sections move around. Most of the time, most showrooms just want to leave it put and it's just the overall visual is changed out and you're switching out samples and whatnot. But it just seems like that would be one of those, one of those projects that, you know, a, a wholesale showroom, which a lot of them listen to us as well as they're some of our, our sponsors, but it just seems like that would be a perfect, it's like you're a one-stop shop. I mean, yeah, you guys it's really great. do it all. Again, when I was listening to your podcast and hearing about how you do it, there was a little bit of a light bulb. Oh, wow. Yeah, we, we haven't tapped into that yet. Like we actually wrote a merchandising guideline book for ASD for people that have booths there. But God, have it. <laughs> Haven't worked hands on with any of the showrooms yet. So, yeah, I don't do a lot of temp spaces. I've done a couple, but temps, you know, it's, it's a little more challenging because the timeline, it's like, you know, 36 hours or whatever they have to set it up. And I do mostly permanent showrooms, which they're a little bit more substantial. There's a little bit more meat. You can do bigger things. It's, it's not so like one and done and tears down and goes away. But like you guys for like for showrooms that are, because Las Vegas is like, one of the biggest Atlanta, Las Vegas, I think are the two biggest. Now Dallas is very yeah. big as well. I just came back from Dallas and it, it's like, they're all permanent showrooms and there's always people moving in that need mm-hmm. full service. Like a lot of them don't, I mean, I've worked for people. They're like, we have, we've never had a showroom. Like yeah. this is what we, this is what we have. This is our line. And it's like, you guys are so perfect for that. I mean, just like I said, you're a one-stop shop. So wholesalers, if you're listening <laughs> Give all the information in the notes. <laughs> Give us the right people on with it. I have to ask everybody the same question I asked everybody at the end, which is where do you all, because you all are very creative, like where do you find inspiration? And we'll start where we started last time. We'll start boys and then we'll go around because I want to hear where, because it, 
I know. And that was my thing today is like, you need to get out and get inspired. Where do you get? I mean, gosh, it is a tough question, but I feel like I find inspiration everywhere. And I know that kind of a little vague, but (laughs) it's a little vague, but I do like one. If I'm out shopping, I'm constantly being inspired by other things that I see people doing. Sometimes when I go to the museum, I see something and I'm like, oh my God, that's amazing. How do we translate that? Mm -hmm. My main source of inspiration is nature, though. I need to shut off. I need to go outside, you know. So to me, seeing, being in nature, seeing things and just having that space is probably my best source of inspiration. I'm actually... It would be unfortunate to say, but I would almost mimic exactly what he said. That's why we get along. But (laughs) it is. It's the, I mean, you can find inspiration anywhere through music, through books, through film, through conversation. But, but yeah, mostly it's like you need to be able, you have to know when you have to balance it with a, a walk in nature, just sitting in the sand. Like it's, you have to be able to find that inspiration anywhere because. We're all different. Well, it's also, I used to ask, where do you find balance? And everyone's answer was like, there's no balance. So I stopped asking that question. But (laughs) but for you guys, like in the height, for you two who are in the, like when you were in the height of fourth quarter and you have events going for holiday parties and you have a holiday wedding and then you have, you know, now you have a retail space, then you all these things, like how... In that moment, I'm going to ask you guys for the, for the balance. Like where, like where, how do you turn it off? And how do you, at the end of the day, lower your cortisol level? How do you calm down? Like what does that look like for you guys? For me, it's, it's somewhat easy. Only I can say that because you've met three of the people we work with here and it's, you've always been told, they tell you, surround your people with, surround yourself with people smarter than you. Boom, boom, boom. Here they are all around. So I'm next to them too. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it's, it's just nice to like, when we look around our office, I mean, there's always so much laughter here. Like we all care about each other. Like, well, people hang out outside the office. You go to personal things like, oh, my son is selling flowers. Okay, everybody in the office, let's buy flowers. Or yeah. I mean, it could be anything. It's like so, family. Yeah, it really is. And yeah. I don't know, it's easy to walk away from those things because I know the people who are we're surrounded by are taking care of these things with as much heart and detail as we are ourselves. So, yeah. Hey, ladies. Who's, who's the first question on, on now we're going to, now we're going to ask balance and, and inspiration. Balance and inspiration. Because <laughs> obviously you're holding a lot of the weight. So <laughs> how do you guys calm down? Um, <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> down <laughs> just kidding. Not really. Just kidding. <laughs> All right. Um, let me start with inspiration. I think for me, inspiration comes um, with a lot of travel. I get inspired. Travel. travel has been my biggest source of inspiration. And uh, what connects to travel uh, is culture. I feel, especially with me having this global influence of working in retail in the United States, in India, doing projects in Europe, in the different parts of the world, I just feel that uh, the cultural influences that retail has in how that translates into design. It's amazing to see 
how local, how regional, and how diverse design can be because of these influences. And uh, that just makes it more strong when I travel. I, you know, when I'm traveling, looking at different, even if it's a city, what's the local while why is a particular color so prominent in this part of the country? Why is it, you know, why is it, why the houses are this violent? You know, there's the geographical location and there's so much influences to design. And then you understand it. in the end, it's the people that you design for. And that's how, and then the culture, the location, the region make the people. And that's how the inspiration comes from that. I love that you look at travel or you look at architecturally and a house's color. I love that you look at it from a totally different scope than I think most of the people traveling look at it. Like it, it's such an incredible way of thinking about, about what, how you just reverse that. I mean, I can't, I, I mean, that was a beautiful way you just phrase that. Yeah. In balance. Um, oh my gosh. Um, retail design can be sometimes, you know, Sometimes it's overwhelming. Sometimes it's like you're, you know, just how do you like you, you think you concept the ideas don't come at the same time, but sometimes you're like, Ooh, there's so much energy. There's so many ideas and you just want to spill them out. Balance for me comes with, um, recognizing what work at the right time. You might have so many things going on, but what is something that is required at that moment? translates for me into keeping that you might have 10 20 30 thousand ideas but what does the client need what needs to execute and what works so it's more about clarity for me at that moment is how i kind of like remove all the clutter all the distraction what needs to work problem solving that's where i go like okay i just need to gather it bring this and then this is what we do so for me it's it's about bringing that and trying to find that balance that's smart. I mean, I, I think it, being able to, and when you look at everything that you have on your plate and being able to focus on what is the priority for right now, because all the rest of it is not right now. Like I always say, like I, there's clients that I know that don't leave their stores ever. And it's like, you need, it's going to be here tomorrow. At some point you need to take care of you. And it's, that's a really smart way of being able to say, this is what I'm focusing on right now. I have ADD. So I, I really am going to try and take that to, to my day because I, I really honestly I get so spun out on like how many different things I'm going on like just think about what is happening now yes um other than I think I'm I need to echo a little bit of what Joe said but I think I find inspiration in a lot of things every day and looking for new ways to be inspired whether it be I'm driving into the office maybe listening to music might trigger something for me um looking at the skyline when I drive into the city each day I love the travel as well. I just came back from the Pacific Northwest. So we did a lot of patterning and comp shopping when I was out there, just looking at other mall boutique. What can I bring back to Columbus? What, what did I see? What inspired me? And then I think from a balanced perspective, I love yoga. And um, so I need that in my life as well as I like to cycle. So I do a lot of cycling in the summer here. Yeah. You wonder how she looks as young as she does. There you does, go. She does Pelotonia each year and bike. Uh, fundraising bike event where she bikes a hundred miles. Wow. I'm guessing that is a fundraiser for something. Yeah. And at the AIDS ride, I think is like a hundred miles or, or something like that. Yeah. 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 This yeah. is for cancer. Yeah. I love that. Oh, 
When you're driving in and looking at the skyline, I have to ask like where, what inspiration is that falling under? Like, gosh, I think, you know, I, I went to our school here in the city, um, in downtown, uh, which is just around the corner from the short North where we work. And I've always had this dream of like working here, uh, being incorporated. All the offices are kind of like out in the suburbs here in Columbus. And so I don't know. I think it's just like looking at the different architecture, kind of what Jocko said of like what the buildings look like, what, how's the sky reflecting on the glass hotel, like just all, just everything. I love that. All right, my dear. That's you, Jamie. Me and Mike lives out. How do I, where, where do I find inspiration? I think that, um, I love, I love the idea of surrounding myself from people that are so very different from me. So I have just a hodgepodge of friendships. Um, they, I think also keep me balanced. So the things that I care about, they could give a rat's rip about. Um, and then, so therefore I get to hear stories about what they're, what, what's happening with them. And I think that that, and just in addition to that would be like my family, like maintaining humility, if you will, growing up on a farm. And now um, my residency is in New York and being able to bounce from one to the other, very much like a chameleon. Um, and it's kind of how I grew up anyway with my mother in Dallas and my father on, you know, in the hills of Ohio. And I find, I find really inspiration. I feel like it, it, it's like I'll have it. I'll have a chat with someone. I'd learn something that, that, you know, I, I would say I've been a pretty good listener in my years. I feel like as I've gotten older and I'm old that I pipe in more, but, um, I've listened a lot and I've l- learned from other people's mistakes or even my own. Um, and so inspiration could become from, I just failed hard and now I'm inspired to like, maybe because the bar was too high. Maybe, maybe I'm winning because the bar's too low, you know, that type of thing. Travel, of course. I think, you know, one thing when I, when I moved to New York, cause I moved to New York with not a job, like nothing. And when wow. I knew like the bag, I was like the bag. And wow. what I knew about New York is you could have all the money or no money. It's a city you can live in. And so you just find inspiration by having a humble pie and then also being able to eat at the nicest restaurant. I don't know. Just it's so many things. I think Joe said like everything inspires them, but I think. I make intentional thing. I make intention to have a diverse group of friends. I maintain solid relationship with my family. And yeah, and I'm curious as I'll get out, which is why I've had a million jobs. Um, and no, like, and I was like, I'm a unicorn. Um, and so, yeah. Guys. I'm like, I love this. I can keep, seriously, I, I still have a million questions and it's like, th- this would be three hours long. I, I, <laughs> but I, I love for everybody that, that is not following, they need to follow you because it is truly like odd jaw dropping to see all the things that you have your hands in on. And now I understand why. And now I'm so glad I made that, you know, reach out to ask you guys to do this because like I said, for me, it takes a lot to wow me. It's like I, I've I've seen a lot of retail, and I've been with some of the best retailers in the country, and it, it takes a lot to wow me. And it's like I have to say, like you all really wowed me, and I can see why you have incredible talent behind you, and you obviously let them do what they're best at, which is I think a very strong suit for anybody running any kind of company that get out of your own way and let the people 
do what they do best. And, and, and obviously you've done a very good job and you created an incredible company and family, it sounds like. And it, it's been such a pleasure to spend this hour and a half with you. And I really, <laughs> yeah. you are a few hours ahead of me. And it's like, I just am really grateful. Thank you. We're great too. Thank you. Appreciate it. And keep doing what you're doing. I'm enjoying it so much. So I'm so glad. And that is a wrap. The Retailer Podcast is produced by myself, Michelle Sherrier, and Catherine Kalu. Our website, where you can find all of our episodes, can be found at www.theretailhorrorpodcast.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Retail Horror Podcast. 